I want to welcome everyone listening to the podcast. There are many hundreds of you now who listen to us online. God bless you. Do send us some feedback. If you are listening on iTunes or on a podcast, do leave us uh, some comments. It gets us a bit higher up the iTunes uh, status, as you may know. So if you're listening to us on iTunes, please do um, leave us a friendly comment. In fact, I think even a bad comment gets us higher up the chain. So please just leave us a comment. And if you're listening uh, from King's Cambridge, please just drop us an email or something. Info at kingscambridge.org. And let us know you're listening and we'll be encouraged. I'm going to turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Title of my message is Heart Movement. Some wonderful uh, preaching I know has gone on here the last couple of weeks. I appreciate all who have brought the word. I'm going to come back and preach for a few Sundays now. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. You're with me? A man with leprosy or a skin disease of some kind came to Jesus And begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can heal me. Verse 41, filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean, be healed. And immediately the skin disease, the leprosy left him. And he was, he was cured. He was cured. I'm not wanting to talk particularly about healing today. But I do want you to notice verse 41. Where the Lord Jesus has a heart movement. He is filled with compassion. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. To be filled with compassion. The people in the days of Christ may have wondered what God was really like. After all, their their religious leaders hadn't always painted him in a great light. He was the God of the law or the Torah. He was the God of rules and regulations. He was an angry God in many of their their ideas and thoughts. And when Christ comes, Christ is God in the flesh, right? As Christ comes, he reveals that God is is, uh, full of kindness and full of compassion. And we're going to look at this just for a few minutes today. A God of compassion who wants a people after his own heart to also be a people of compassion. Um, There's something very interesting that that I hope it's not intended to be amusing. Uh, But the word that's used on this occasion, on the about six or seven occasions actually, 
where it says Jesus was moved with compassion. It's a word I cannot pronounce, but I'll go for it. Splagnos. Splagnos. And it, it literally means he was moved, wait for it now, in his bowel. Now what you probably don't want to do in a literal English translation is to say he was moved in his bowel. Because that might mean something quite different today. Some people come for prayer because they need a bowel movement. What we say today is we say, oh, I was, my heart was moved. And we, what we've done is we've moved the emotional bit of us to our heart. But in the, in the early, uh, in the first century in Greek thought, uh, when people had, were heartbroken or they felt something in their heart, uh, they said they were moved in their bowel. Uh, there's a very interesting verse. If you have the King James Version with you, it'll be 1 John 3 and verse 17. 1 John 3, verse 17. And uh, it's to do with the poor. And it says something like, please do not shut your bowel to us. Which, of course, doesn't quite work in the English language today. It means something quite different. But it literally meant in that day, don't close your heart to us. You know, have an open heart. So God in Christ reveals that God is emotional uh, uh, and cares about people, is compassionate about people. And that's what this word compassion is. It means really the inner part of you. In pagan religion in the first century, if they ripped open like an animal and they wanted to take its actual, its, it's like its innards, and they were going to sacrifice it to their god or gods. When they actually came and presented it, it was called, wait for it, it was called the presentation of the compassion. The, the, the inner peace of the creature was its compassion. Very interesting. Or it was its spagnos. So Jesus was moved inside. He wasn't just moved in his face, wasn't just moved in his feet. He was ripped apart inside when he saw the suffering around him. And we are supposed to be the same. Now, very, very quickly, let me bring you, I'll bring them all up, I think. Here are the areas where it is said that Christ was moved, was Blagnoshed. He was moved with compassion for those around him. And these are seen throughout the uh, New Testament, as you can see. First of all, he was moved by the outcast. Here we just read it, the leper. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40 to 42, if you're listening online. He was moved by the outcast. The people with leprosy were shut out of their community, right? They, don't, they weren't just sick, but they were outcasted. And that moved Jesus. I want to ask you today, are we moved by that? Are we moved by the needs of 
people who are outcasted. Because it's not just Jesus who ought to care about them, it ought to be we who care about them. Right? Uh, I'll deal with a lot more of these in a moment. The suffering, Matthew 14, verse 14, and uh, Matthew 20, verse 34. There's an occasion where Jesus saw a whole multitude of people who were sick. He had compassion for them. He was moved. His insides were ripped apart with a desire to help them. And then later on in Matthew, uh, the two blind men, and they couldn't see, and he was moved with compassion and healed them. Matthew 15, 32 is when, uh, it's the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew 15, 32. The feeding of the 4,000 plus women and children. And Jesus is moved because they were hungry. And he feeds them. He does not feed them because it would look good on his website. He does not feed them because it is uh, um, fashionable to be into social action. He doesn't feed them because that's what he feels he should do. He feeds them because he has to. Because he was moved. And finally, the lost, Mark 6.34, is where Jesus sees all the people and he says, it says, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he was moved with compassion for them. Now I'm going to return to all of these in just a moment, but I just wanted to flag them up straight away. These are the issues or the people, if you like, that move Jesus. These are the things that ripped him apart, the outcasts, the people that society didn't really want, the people that maybe the church didn't want, the church of the day anyway, and the church of today. He was moved by those who suffered. He was ripped apart with those who were ill. He was ripped apart when he saw people who were hungry, And he was ripped apart on the inside when he saw the plight of people who were lost. And these were things that upset him. These were the things that kept him awake at night, if you like. And the question is this. Are these the things that keep us awake at night? Or are we kept awake at night by all sorts of other rubbish. In other words, lots of people get uh, moved. Lots of people get angry. Tonight, a whole lot of people will be furious and bang their chairs and go to bed grumpy because the wrong person left the X factor. Come on. But they won't be upset about the plight of people who've got nothing to eat in another country. Can you say amen? Right? Now listen. Of course Gamu should be in the competition. But my point is not that we shouldn't be involved in the... What what I'm trying to say is this. What are we really angry about? 
because we should really be angry about these things. Now, this is a great church, but let me tell you as I travel around, there are some people, they, they're in church, they, they are furious, not because the lost are plummeting into eternal fire and damnation, but they're, they're furious because the communion's not being done the right way. Or the wall isn't the right color. Or they're furious because the toilet paper isn't right. And, and we get cross about things that we shouldn't be cross about. And we are not cross about things we should be cross about. Do you understand what I'm preaching about? So if you really want to say that God is living in you, and the anointing of God is on you, then you should be worried about these things on the screen. The outcast, the suffering, the hungry and the lost. These things should be winding you up and me not other things. Not other things. Now let's talk about let's talk about compassion. Because there are consequences to being a compassionate person. There are consequences. That aren't all that pleasant. We want to ask the question. Why isn't everyone full of compassion? And there's an answer, a real simple answer. It's because it's very expensive to have compassion. I'll explain. What will divine compassion do to us? If we start getting uh, moved by the things that are moving God, instead of being moved by the things that move Pharisees, Sadducees, wouldn't sees, and couldn't sees, if we start getting moved about the things that move God, there are going to be some big consequences. It'll change your life, and in many ways, it might even ruin your life to be moved by these things. Number one, just from the life of Paul, first of all, compassion is going to hurt you. If you are a person of compassion, it's going to hurt you. That's why people aren't all that fond of this. Do you know, it's possible to be passionate about God, but it's actually not possible to be compassionate about God. Because compassion is something you can only show to a human being. Because they're in need. God's never in need, amen? You don't have to worry about God. Did you know that? You don't have to worry. I wonder how God's getting on. He's fine. But people around us are often not fine. We have to be... Do you know, it's a lot easier to love God than it is to love your neighbor. The first two commandments, love God and love people. Now... I am a passionate believer and preacher in the principle that we should love God with all of our heart. So I'm not backtracking on that. But we have to love God and our neighbor. At this moment in time, we have to love God and the Salvation Army Band. 
that if you're listening online are passing by. But it's a lot easier to love God than to love your neighbor, isn't it? God's never got up your nose, but some people have got up your nose. It's a lot easier to love God with all of our heart than to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so what we need is to have such passion for God that it actually enables us to have compassion for people. That's real passion from God. Some people talk about being on fire for God, but they've got no light or warmth coming off them for others. If you're on fire for God, that means someone else can come and enjoy a bit of light and a bit of warmth from your fire. That's real fire from God. Some people are on fire for God just for themselves. Well, it's good to love God with all your heart, but do we love other people as well? Because that's the evidence of the love of God. First John says, you can't say you love God, but you don't love your neighbor. So it's quite challenging for us. So I guess what I'm saying is, <coughs> we need to move from passion to compassion if we're going to really be disciples of Christ. And you can only be compassionate about people. And oftentimes people who never say thank you won't appreciate what you do for them, won't necessarily come to church with you even after you've done all stuff for them. But we've got to be real. Compassion will hurt you. I want to read you something from Romans 9. And Paul is talking about his mission. And he says this. Verse 2 of Romans 9. He says this. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I want to read it again because I think it just went over your head. Paul the Apostle said this. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Unceasing anguish. Now what would you do, Paul? I just want to pray for you, mate. Because it's not right for you to have unceasing anguish. Let me pray for you that God will help you with your unceasing anguish. It's unceasing. What's he saying? I think he's saying he was up awake at night worrying. What he's actually worrying about, he says, I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. He was so worried about the, in this particular culture and context, it was the Jewish people who weren't responding to the gospel. Paul could say, and we'll just, we'll just broaden it, uh, and I think maybe it warrants being broadened. He says, I'm so upset and so disturbed that people are not getting converted, particularly of my own race. I've got great sorrow in my heart. Do you know what? There were plenty of other people who lived with Paul and they didn't care. They didn't care. But because he cared, it cost him. Right? So compassion will hurt you. It'll hurt you. 
That's why not everyone wants to be compassionate. There's a long-standing tradition in the British Isles that as people are watching TV, enjoying their, their meal, and then an image flashes on the advert break of ch children in some other place suffering. There's a sense of, of people wanting to, where's the remote? I'd rather watch Noel Edmonds than this and flicking it off. There's a sense in which we may sometimes watch the news and think, I, I just can't, I don't want to watch this, this news item again. I don't want to see this suffering anymore. It's, it's hurting me. So what am I preaching about today? What I'm preaching is that some things are supposed to hurt you. Some things are supposed to hurt me. Paul said I had unceasing anguish. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 28, he talks about having a daily burden. A daily burden. So here's a reason why people sometimes don't want to be compassionate because it It hurts. Number two, by the way, this, this won't get any better. It'll move you. Compassion will move you. If you are compassionate, it's going to move you. Now, I've heard people say this. Do you know what? I saw that thing on the TV about that difficulty or that some war, some poverty, some famine, and I was really moved. And sometimes I want to say, well, where were you moved to? Well, nowhere. Well, you weren't moved much then. We talk about, oh, I was really moved. But many people are not moved. They mean it did something for a moment, but it didn't move them anywhere. It didn't move them to the airport to go there. Now, that may be a bit extreme. It didn't move them to, to, to justgiving.com to donate, it didn't move them to the bank to make some donation, it didn't move them, it didn't move them. A man might walk through the centre of Cambridge late at night, uh, he, he finds himself walking through the streets of Cambridge late at night in an unusual uh, scenario, maybe he caught a late film or went to a theatre or went to a friend's uh, stag party and he finds himself walking through Cambridge late at night and he sees all of the young people out and some of the people smashed off their heads and it might move them. But will it move him to uh, support street pastors? See? Or even to don a jacket and become one. It's all about being moved, isn't it? Not just moved. Compassion will move you. Compassion will put shoes on the problem and you become part of the solution to it. Rather than someone on the edge going, isn't it awful? Now I know there are lots of scenarios where it could well be all we can really do is go, oh it's awful. Because we cannot ourselves do anything about it but there are other things where we can do something about it. 
It moved him. It moved Paul. Romans 15, 19, 20. It says, from Jerusalem all the way through to Illyricum, I fully proclaim the gospel of Christ. Do you want to have a look on a map sometime and see where Illyricum is from Jerusalem? It's halfway around the world. And he didn't go there by EasyJet either. He went there not by EasyJet, but by Tricky Mule. Compassion will hurt you. Compassion will move you. (coughs) A pastor was telling me a few months ago of an event that happened, not in his own church, but in a nearby one. And in this church, they were hearing a message, similar to this maybe, about doing things, helping people. Not just loving God, but loving man. And there was, there was some action that needed to happen. This was a Sunday night in the church. Maybe 100 miles from here, a bit less. A bit less. And what they were going to do is they were going to go to someone's home, a bit like what happened with a group from this church on Friday, and thanks to all who did that. And they were going to go and help someone in their home. And in this particular case, it was a youth meeting. They were going to go and clear the garden. They were going to go and paint the walls. It was that sort of thing. Didn't involve preaching, didn't involve singing, didn't involve prophesying. Just involved going, painting the wall, clearing the garden. And like I say, a number of people listening to me now, I know, have been involved in that kind of thing over these weeks and years, and even some just in the last couple of weeks. So what happened at the end of the meeting was, all the young people, just, it just happened to be a youth meeting, but I tell you, it could have been any kind of meeting. But to be fair to the story, it was a youth meeting, and the young people came out the front and uh, to commit themselves to compassion. And they all cried and uh, shouted and um, were moved and were jumping up and down and, you know, hands in the air. And there was a bit of prayer time and one or two of them fell down and were crying. And apart from one young man who just stood there, he didn't feel anything. He looked around and I don't know if you've ever been in this scenario where you look everyone else is on the floor and, and you think there must be something wrong with me I don't feel nothing here and he went away and he was quite discouraged God hadn't touched him but he touched all the others but God hadn't touched him the following Saturday you know the end of the story don't you the following Saturday he went to this lady's house or this house wherever it was to clear the garden and and paint the wall or whatever they had to do. And you know the end, don't you? He was the only one who showed up. All the others had rolled around and screamed out and prayed. and They were full of passion, but there wasn't much compassion going on. They were full of fire, but they weren't heating or lighting anyone else. Now, they may have all had great reasons why they suddenly all decided not to show up. But I use it just as an illustration. If you are compassionate, it's going to move you. You're going to go and do something. 
it'll move you. Acts 14, we looked at in our Bible school this week, how Paul went into the cities of Lystra, Antioch and Iconium, Derby, and I think it's in the city of Derby, he's attacked in a riot and stoned possibly to death, to death. It says the people gathered around him and prayed for him. Uh, Acts 14, 19 and 20, and it says he stood up and, and then the most amazing verse, I think, in the whole Bible maybe, It says he stood up and he went back into the city. He went back into the place where he'd been stoned to death. I'd say he had some passion and compassion, wouldn't you? That put shoes on his faith. That put shoes on his conviction to go and help somebody. I'll just sing sing about it. I had a wonderful time, you know, we had my surprise celebration a few weeks ago. Thanks for that. A couple of days later, though, I had an even better time. And I don't mean because we got to take the cake home. Although we did. A few days after that video, and we, everyone was more than, more than kind to me. A couple of days after that, we began our, our group on Wednesdays. Everyone attending the group has schizophrenia. A bipolar disorder. They're the outcasts, aren't they? Some of these people, you want to to sit on a bus with them. Some of these people, you'd be sitting on the bus, they'd get on the bus and you're there saying, Lord, I just need a double seat on the bus right now. Right? And it was my great honor to stand and, of course, just to make it even better, it was lashing down with rain. And I said, don't worry, boys, I'm going to be at the gate to welcome you in. You're going to know where to go. Then I looked out. (laughs) Well, of course I stood there. And I might be sniffing now as a result, I don't know. But I stood there with joy in the rain to welcome our VIP guests into this building. It's going really well. It's now been running three weeks. Everyone's happy. I think it's gonna. It could. It's got the potential to run for years. And I put on a well-known social networking uh, site. I put on a dream came true today. And someone um, asked me on the site, "What was it?" And I couldn't answer. You know why I couldn't answer? Maybe I should have answered, but I couldn't answer because I thought, what you think is my dream. It's not to stand in the rain and welcome bipolar disorder people into the church for an hour to have coffee and a chat. But that was my dream. It moved me. But it just moved me. It's moved me. God. Let's look at one more. Compassion will hurt you, move you. Here it comes. Here's the big one. Praise yourself. Cost you. Cost you. 
passion will cost you. Why aren't there more compassionate people around? I think we just found out why. Because it costs. It costs time. (coughs) It costs money to be compassionate. You know, remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Cost him time. Oh, I'm going to go over and attend the man. Put him on my donkey. Took him to a hotel. And what does he do? Pay the man's bill, right? On the credit card, he had to pay the bill. And he says, you look after him and then uh, I'll, I'll come back and if there's anything else owed, I'll pay it. He got his money out and he paid. Some people find it easier to pay a bill than to go and do something. I think some people find it much easier. It's for some people, not everybody, it's easier to write a check than to go and do something. It'd be easier to support street pastors with a check than to go and be one. Now, not everyone can do it, and not everyone can give. Not everyone has the resource. But here we find the man gave his time and his money to what he believed in. Compassion will cost us. I remember when I was in youth meetings, 18, 19 years of age, God's fire come on me. And every time there was some sort of appeal, I was there. I was at the front. Oh God, take my life. And we'd sing songs like, I will go to the ends of the earth. And you know, I used to sing them and I'm in it. I'm going to go to the ends of the earth. What I didn't realize then was that BA charged you to go to the ends of the earth. And EasyJet, they charge you to go to the ends of the earth. And then when I arrived in South America, I went everywhere by bus. And every time I went, you know what? They wanted 30 quid to go. When I trundled around South America, dragging this case behind me, One time I got locked in the toilet of the bus. In fact, I'm telling you a lie. It happened two times. It did. It won't happen three times, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm locked in the bus. I haven't slept for, properly for a week. The photo that the church have got of me doesn't work anymore because now I'm bitten all over. So they, I don't even look like the picture. And I sent my best picture. The food is, uh, plays havoc with me. I love foreign food, you know, but I only love it in Britain because I've found they don't know how to make foreign food in foreign countries. I like the fake foreign food we have here. 
I'm good friends with an Indian family, you know, here. Pastor and his wife, and they're beautiful family and beautiful ministry. And they said, why don't you come around for lunch? I said, I will. Can I come now? <laughs> no, well, maybe tomorrow. So we go. We show up. Do you know what? He's never heard of a kima naan. You know that? Never heard of it. He, he doesn't know what a chicken korma is. He's never heard of this. So he puts on, I think, what is this? Give me fake Indian food, please. Instead, I traverse around South America, popping pills to keep me going. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. Look at the box, you know, and it says, take one every four hours. I think, well, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to take two every four hours. (laughs) That's the faith I got. And I show up, you know, at the meeting. I've just broken myself through a door. I'm dragging my case. I'm wondering where the bathroom may be in this church as soon as I arrive. And I'm hobbling in, my arm's injured. I'm desperate for another tablet. And someone says to me, hello, are you the healing evangelist? I am. Yes, I'm afraid so. Can you tell me where the bathroom is, please? And I'd like a glass of water immediately for these. So it is fun. But I'll tell you something else it is. It's also awful. It's also utterly, utterly, utterly awful. And you want to go and be a speaker at the ends of the earth, do you? Are you sure? You think you're going to go like Brother Benny in some airplane with an entourage of 20 people? No, sweetheart, you're going to drag your case all across the continent. I remember one time I called Jane in Belo Horizonte bus station and I said this what am I doing here I remember that it cost me enormously I think if I could just get there with my dunning shirt my dunning body just get there. I know that a lethal cancer could disappear out of someone's body. Amen. If I can just get there and pray, deaf people, their ears will open up. If I can just get there. But it cost me. And you want to look at some people God uses today and think, oh, God, isn't it amazing? I'd love God to use me like that. And you do not know the price that they paid for that. And they didn't just pray in, didn't just pay it in prayer or study. They paid it by being determined. And even I'm a fraud, of course. 
telling a sad tale when I want to read what Paul went through. In 2 Corinthians 11, he says this, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Just once would be enough for me. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times I was shipwrecked. How many of you think that if you've been shipwrecked three times, you might have said, is there a way I can go by land? I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, bandits, my own countrymen. I've labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. And I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. So we might, I know I'm a fraud today. I know I'm a complete fraud. Because I know as Paul was hanging on to one of those planks in his third shipwreck, he could only have dreamt of being locked in a Brazilian bus toilet. He could only have dreamt of being able to go in an aeroplane. But compassion cost him. In Acts 21, verse 10, it's an encounter that Paul has with a man called Agabus. And Agabus takes off his belt, he's a prophet, and he takes Paul and he binds his wrist with his belt. He's always worried about Agabus's trousers at that point. It may be Paul's trousers. But he takes the belt, he binds Paul, and he says this, this is what's going to happen to you in Jerusalem. And do you know what happens? All the people around him, no, no, don't do it, don't do it. Why? Because they were full of passion, but they didn't have the compassion he had. They were all about singing the songs, and the, but they didn't want to, nobody wanted to get hurt. And of course they didn't want him to get hurt. He was his friend. He was their friend. And Paul says this to them. He says this, don't you know, I am ready not just to be bound, but to die. This binding thing, that's not scaring me. I'm used to being tied up. We just read it in 2 Corinthians, he said, I've been in prison more frequently. It didn't bother Paul to go to jail. It would bother you, wouldn't it, and me? You're going to go to jail? You better stop that. Paul said this, it's no problem to be bound. Don't you know I'm ready to die? Compassion had hurt him, moved him, cost him. 
That's why people don't want to be compassionate. That's why I don't want to be compassionate. Because it hurts. I'm going to draw to a close. I want you to look at one more verse with me. Go to the book of Colossians with me. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, verse 12. Verse 12. It says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Oh, and a whole load of other things. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But clothe yourselves with compassion. The ball is in our court. You don't have to be compassionate. Compassion may not be default. Compassion may not be part of your personality. But it doesn't matter. Because, Paul says, I want you to put a jacket on, clothe yourself, put a jacket on of compassion. That means we can do it or not do it. God isn't going to do it. We're going to do it. Whenever you want to notice this, if you're a Bible student, you know, whenever the Bible says to do something yourself, you can be sure that God isn't going to do it then. We have to do it. We have to say, oh God, will you make me like you? You were moved by outcasts. You were moved by people who were hungry or poor. You were moved by people who were sick. You were certainly moved by people who were lost in sin. And needed the gospel. It, it moved you. But it didn't just move you. It moved you. And Lord. I want to wear that coat as well. 